Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's the 15th of July 2022 coming up on today's show. Disturbing weed killer ingredient tied to cancer found in 80% of US urine samples. The EU wants to build a bunker for secret talks. Bank of England again intervening on digital currency. Tucker Carlson talking about vaccines and its alleged benefits to children being a lot less than some of the mainstream media might have you believe. Would you implant a tiny debit card chip in your hand? That and much, much more coming up on today's Beyond the News. So let's begin with the Times. It's from Bruno Waterfield, Monday the 11th of July. And it reads, EU plans spy-proof bunker for secret talks. NATO certified cage would block Russian eavesdropping without skimping on cuisine. It continues... Plans have been drawn up for an 8 million euro spy-proof bunker in Brussels, complete with luxury catering so European Union leaders can hold secret talks over dinner without the Russians listening in. The Russians! The Russians! It follows fears that the Kremlin has been listening to top-secret discussions on sanctions and measures to reduce the EU's dependency on Russian gas. At present, attempts to maintain confidentiality involve European leaders handing in their phones before sensitive summit dinners. Don't forget, they want you to take your phone everywhere with you with, um, you know, the vaccine passports and all that kind of stuff. At present attempts to maintain... Oh, and you're told to conspiracy theorists if the phone is listening into you as well. At present attempts to maintain confidence... Yeah, the new chamber will be enclosed in a military-grade insulation cage certified by NATO to militate against the risk of compromising emanations. This will stop the Russians, Chinese or others intercepting electromagnetic and radio waves generated by screens and microphone wiring. Oh, and they said it was all a conspiracy theory if that stuff can be used against you and it was all listening in. Well, there we go. Also, if petrol prices rise much higher in the UK and in Europe, they may have to govern from those bunkers, mayn't they? Because the peasants on the streets may begin to resent paying those prices. Of course, everything must be done peacefully and lawfully. Now, the Guardian reports. This is by Kerry Gillam. Disturbing weed killer ingredient tied to cancer found in 80% of US urine samples. CDC studies finds glyphosate, controversial ingredient found in weed killers, including popular Roundup brand, present in samples. And they called it disturbing and concerning. The report by the Unit for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that 2,310 urine samples taken from a group of Americans intended to be representative of the US population, 1885, so 1,885, were laced with detectable traces of glyphosate. This is the active ingredient in herbicides sold around the world, including the widely used Roundup brand. Almost a third of participants were children, ranging from 6 to 18. Academics and private researchers have been noting high levels of the herbicide glyphosate and analysis of human urine samples for years, but the CDC has only recently started examining the extent of human exposure to the glyphosate in the US, and its work comes out at a time of mounting concerns and controversy over how pesticides in food and water impact human and environmental health. However, at one point they must the CDC must have gone, yeah, that's all great. Yeah, put that into the human ecosystem. Let that end up in 80% of the US populations. It will be fine. It's safe and effective. I wonder if there's any other chemicals that have been introduced to the 
human genome in the last 18 months that uh, we might be having conversations about whether it was a good idea to have done it in the first place and end up calling those disturbing and concerning we shall see oh something else that we're going to have today on the show for you a resident from brighton laura king will be talking about some of the councillors and their alleged corruption and she's provided us with lots of mainstream media reports as to uh, the extent of their alleged corruption and we'll be hearing for her for about 10 minutes later on the show as well so Boris is off here in the UK. Just wanted to just put in these uh, little links here. Um, you can find them in the comments section of um, the podcast on the Spotify or on Anchor. It's um, there's a little link here. It's uh, I'll just I'll just read out the link here. So it's www.wef org forward slash people forward slash Liz dash truss she's one of the entrants I believe in the Tory leadership race so that's WF forum although there's only one F in there haha <laughs> very clever that website um, let's also just read out this URL this is all I'm just going to read out the URLs and just leave them there www.wef orum.org forward slash people forward slash rishi dash sunak so there you go the wf is uh, got pages dedicated to i'm going to say a web page dedicated or a url at least it's got a picture up there not much else and his dedicated to those two people are there more we shall see i'll do a little bit more digging i only had a little bit of the time to have those brought to my attention this week so UK food supply vulnerable after fertiliser factory closes permanently. Farmers warn of resilience issue. Yeah, resilience issue as soaring gas prices leave UK with just one plant producing fertilisers, which of course is essential for all our food. We have been covering on this show extensively how there seems to be pressures, problems, accidents, unfortunate circumstances that just keep seeming to happen to the food suppliers around the world. Here's another one. It was uh, from the 8th of June. It's by The Telegraph by Helen Carhill and Tim Wallace. A big thanks to uh, JL, our regular listener of Beyond the News, and his regular contributions to the Telegram group at Beyond the News Gym. He's given us a load in one go about fertiliser things there. So you get the idea on that one. Uh, Britain's food supply is now vulnerable after spiralling energy bills prompted the permanent closures of one of the two major fertiliser plants for Farmers Award. So you see how the, the magician does his tricks. The magician does his trick on the left, the pretty assistant over there on the right to, to distract you. So how does that transfer? So, oh, well, you have the WF, Klaus Schwab, who's uh, said, you know, Vladimir Putin's one of his young leaders, and you've obviously got various ties to NATO so Klaus Schwab pals with both sides it all kicks off all the energy prices go up they can all blame the boogeyman in Russia all the energy prices go up and that affects all the food supplies and you know energy prices and everything it will slow down an entire economy make everything more expensive bring it crashing to a halt um, and then cause supply chain shortages as people go well I just 
you know, it's not worth my while driving all that way or delivering all of that kind of stuff. And you can all blame Putin. Next one. Thousands evacuated after US fertilizer plant fire sparked fears of explosion. About 6,500 under evacuation orders while firefighters still can't get within 300 feet of a blaze at North Carolina plant. Uh, 4th of February of this year. And uh, now moving on to Bloomberg. High gas prices force UK fertilizer plant to shut for good. CF Industries plans to shutter its ints factory. Yeah, shutter its ints factory permanently. Industries in Europe have struggled with high gas costs. 8th of June, CF Industries Holdings closings will close one of its UK fertilizer plants permanently as it struggles with high energy costs. Next one here. Oh, this is the New York Times. So I can't seem to be doing much because it's behind a paywall fair enough next one it's New York Post and uh, just going through the cookie choices again ah leaked oh, this is moving away from the food production area now leaked audio from TikTok meetings revealed China accessed US user data 17th of June of this year by Thomas Barabi and again this is New York Post Fears that China could snoop on TikTok users were confirmed in leaked recordings from internal meetings held by the social media app's parent company, according to Bombshell Report Friday. The recordings revealed that China-based employees of ByteDance re repeatedly accessed data tied to US users, raising fresh concerns about TikTok, which once faced a ban in the United States because of privacy concerns. So I'm guessing they won't be uh, taking their TikTok phones into that EU bunker then. The Chinese employees were capable of accessing the information from at least September the 2021st, oh, sorry, September 2021 through January. The leaked recording suggests that Beijing-based ByteDance's ability to access US user data was farther reaching than previously known, with one TikTok director stating at a September 2021 gathering that one unnamed engineer in China was master admin who has access to everything. Who would have thought that China, who only allows businesses to exist if they do business with the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, who are one of the most fascistic regimes on earth and one of the most uh, involved in social credit scores and data collection, um, who would have thought that someone in business with them would have an interest in gathering data? Or oh, not to mention uh, China's various Chinese Communist Party's various espionage charges over the years. And by the way, that's not me on the high horse in the West saying that we're some kind of Mother Teresa figure. They're all at it. But China is probably the most fascistic uh, regime on earth, which is why Justin Trudeau in Canada really loves it, I think. And to go and look at those clips, if you don't believe me, where you can see him say that for himself. And, and why, of course. He'll, he'll break down why. Now we're moving on to the Express. And they never seem to save my reject all cookie things. They always seem to save them if I say, yeah, you can do anything. Right. This is Monday, July the 11th. Macron, and this is the Express, by the way, by Alessandro Scotto di Sant'Olo. Macron ordered to resign as French president faces urgent probe after betraying France. Let's read up to see which one of the ones they've hold him to. I mean, there's a variety of charges. Uh, Variety of reasons, isn't there, that you could take a pop at him? And of course, Macron, uh, the common themes, what we said at the start. Macron, you can go and look at the you know, the videos himself where Klaus Schwab talks about how fond he is of his young leader program with Macron coming through that. 
So you can see the WEF coming to the forefront more and more. The French president backed the development of Uber in France, signing a deal when he was economy minister between 2014 and 2016. The findings leaked after an investigation based on 124,000 confidential internal Uber documents prompted calls for Mr Macron to resign. Wow, of all the things that we've read about Mr Macron doing over the years, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to scroll down and see that one. Uber, this is new to me. Les Patriots leader Florian Philippot said Macron must resign. He betrays France, its companies, the state, justice, the people out. Yes, yes, I, I can agree with that statement. He betrays France, its companies, the state, justice, people out. Yeah, I can see that with the variety of mainstream news articles we've read over the right. But how it comes into Uber, I, I don't know. Let's continue reading. He added... If after the Uber files, the oppositions don't vote no confidence today, I don't know what they need. Be responsible and vote it. Put the Macroni down. Echoing his comments, National Rally MEP Jordan Bardella said it was common knowledge the Uber files demonstrate it once again. Despite the permanent at the same time in Macron's career has a consistency, a common thread to serve private interests, often foreign before national interests. Yep, that's good. But uh, oh, she said revelations on a secret deal between Macron and Uber. Oh, so that's secret... And we also better understand the role played by France in blocking any European regulation of platforms. It is not a president who governs France, but a lobby. Uh, yep, I'm still waiting to see exactly how Uber ties into this. I mean, obviously there's a secret deal and all that kind of stuff, but presidents doing secret deals with corporations is nothing new. So let's, you know, is this an opposition jumping on something, thinking it's a hand grenade, it's going to be a sort of pff, firework? We shall see. This is all new to me. Um, an internal Uber email stated that this was better... Right, hold on. Let's go back up. Right, leaked documents show lobbyists for the ride-sharing app company met then-Chancellor George Osborne and other ministers, according to the BBC. The undeclared meetings took place after Boris Johnson, as Mayor of London, had promised to launch a review that could have limited Uber's expansion in the capital. The meeting with Mr Osborne took place at a private dinner in the US state of California, where Uber is based. After an internal Uber email stated this was better after... A Better than a meeting in London because this was a much more private affair with no hanger-on officials or staff, as the BBC reported. Other meetings were held between Uber lobbyists and current or former ministers, including Priti Patel, Sajid Javid, Matt Hancock and Michael Gove, according to the corporation. Mr Johnson ultimately abandoned his review and Uber was able to increase its numbers of drivers in London. Uber denies its lobbying, the secret, uh, its lobbying was secret and the ministers insist rules were followed, the BBC said. The files were leaked to The Guardian and shared with internal consortium of investigation journalists and several media organisations, including BBC Panorama. The report also shows extensive lobbying for other European politicians, including French President Emmanuel Macron in August 2014, when he was the Minister for the Economy, and ex-EU Commissioner Neely Kroos. So um, I agree with the sentiment that he's consistently selling out France to a variety of people, but... As far as I have ever seen it, he's sort of done it all above board, really, and, you know, in plain sight. So we shall keep a eye on that one. My initial gut reaction is a bit of a nothing burger, really, but it should draw attention to the fact of what he actually has done. But I think what he's done is all usually above the board. He's usually just signed deals. To, right, I'm going to just make certain we put everyone's interests against, you know, basically what most of the politicians in the Western world do. They put the corporations before its people 
and then they make it legal for that to happen. So, and then they go nothing to see here. Now, we'll see if there is anything to see there in the coming months. My gut says, nope. Now, from the Daily Mail, sex is not limited to male or female. Fury over new World Health Organization gender guidance, which dismisses basic biology. New WHO guidance will go beyond binary approach, it says. Health experts have slammed the move, saying it is unscientific and worrying. Comes amid concern, rise in use of woke gender-neutral language in the NHS. That's by John Eli, 12th of July. So uh, you get the basic idea of that. There's no need to me read that any further. But you know that what I like to play with the mail. I'd do it with them all if they had the comments. Let's have a look at best. Now, this is the mail. You see, this is what I would, I would love... The, to see what the Guardian readers think of stuff like this, because I think you kind of get where this is going to go now. But anyway, it's up. But I, I want to see what the old school left makes of that kind of stuff, where it's just it does seem unscientific and worrying, and that's not you know in any way anti anything, just um, you know just science really. So um, it's this is hello, it's me, London. Uh, what is the third gender required to produce offspring then? Please be specific. Oh, that's an interesting point he's made there. Up 20, 30, down 14. Could have been a lot more vicious given <laughs> given the Daily Mail or what I've seen on the Daily Mail when they talk about immigration. Right. Um, I thought we should stop funding the WHO after the way they responded to COVID. This confirms it. 1894, down 22. Oh, I can get behind that one. Right. Worst rated... Um, fake news, Sunderland, um, up 42, down 231. It may dismiss basic biology, but it would more accurately reflect how complex biology actually is. And for a professor of midwifery, not to acknowledge that is a disgrace. Um, isn't there... Uh, was it homogenous? Uh, biology is not my strong draw. Androgynous, something like that, where they, they can have both male and female parts. I think that's... That's a scientific fact, isn't it? So I think you can probably add that one in. Um, Wessex nationalists, there are 27 genders. Up six, down one, seven, four. Yeah, no, I'm not behind that one. Um, yeah, but I think scientifically you can make the argue of two plus the one where they have them both. And then, of course, everyone has the right to decide for themselves what they are. Um, never never have a go at that but um born biologically i think it's those three isn't it really um and then after that is entirely their choice and we should respect that but when it actually comes to the beginnings of it you know that's usually the phrase isn't it we, you know whatever they're called after that and that's their right to do that it's biological this or biological that when it's and that's talked about parents as well isn't it when it comes from you know that it's just a scientific term biological this biological that um you know when it comes to stepchildren and adopting and all that kind of stuff so the word biological in relation to identification is not anything new really oh that's enough time on that one and again that's not me taking a pop at anyone or anyone's choices or anything like that and everyone has the right to lead the life they want to lead if they're not harming anyone that's that's my view but a fascistic control of language and having a go at someone and 
not acknowledging basic science isn't a very good idea for society in general. I don't think society has moved forward on uh, restricting free speech, denying science, and denying debate about that science. So exports warn bringing back two billion a month free COVID testing scheme is pointless because latest wave will fizzle out in a month as lefty scientists ramp up calls for swabbing scheme and masks to return. <sighs> right. Where do I begin with that headline? Right, it's not two billion the two billion a month free COVID testing scheme isn't pointless to the people who are making that two billion and then charging it to the taxpayer, hence the word free. So when we say two billion a month free COVID, it's two million taxpayer funded COVID testing scheme given to what I would have thought is private companies is pointless. Well, not if you're those private companies because latest wave will fizzle out in a month. Okay, all right, uh, that's fortune telling. I don't know what to make of that statement. As lefty scientists, I think you'll find it's WEF and corporate interest science and mainstream media who seem to have advertising that comes in from those sorts of places and connections to those sorts of places scientists so let's not make this a left or right issue shall we can because there are people that are pro lockdown um, and anti lockdown on both sides of it so let's have the camps unite so um, as scientists so instead of saying as lefty scientists I would prefer the term as scientists who seem to be ignoring the actual science of, you know, so you're, you're testing for COVID. To do what? And how, we've already done this before, are you actually testing for it? If it actually was a reliable test, and we've broken down on many reasons why that may not be, depending on the cycle rate, and then we've got the lateral flow after that, and there's questions over that and if anyone thinks that I'm being a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist go and look at the inventor of the PCR test Kerry Mollis go and look at his work before he's died and see what he said about it he said you shouldn't use the test to identify for it so what I'm saying is not a ridiculous asinine statement you can go and look at the up the owner of it and go and listen to previous podcasts where I've brought talked about this and the court um, findings in Portugal and that kind of stuff so that's just the headline alone, my thoughts on that. Ramps up calls for swabbing scheme and masks to return. Masks are slight. I've always said the same thing. I've been consistent throughout. Masks are slightly effective for a short space of time, but nowhere near as effective as people think they are. And some of them do have health concerns about carcinogens in them and that kind of stuff that I've broken down this show before. So that's just the headline, my thoughts on. Let's continue on with it. Renewed calls for onerous public health measures based on high levels of COVID cases and NHS admissions, but figures show two-thirds of COVID patients in the NHS are not primarily sick with the virus. Well, that just underlines everything I've said, isn't it? I'll just read that again. Two-thirds of COVID patients in the NHS. So that I'm presuming that is COVID patients are people that have tested positive for one of these tested, are not primarily sick with the virus. Um, yes, that will be why. Um, what did I just say about the tests? Only 25 people are dying per day with COVID compared to more than 1,000 at the height of last January's wave. That's um, a shame. Um, that's terrible for those 25 people uh, and their families. But isn't that generally what we find? What was the average... I'm trying to go from memory now. What was the average deaths of flu 
per year. Was it somewhere between forty and eighty thousand in the UK? I mean, it does swing with different seasonal flus and all that kind of thing. But for the sake of argument, should we call it? Should we call it fifty-two thousand on a like a bad flu year or something? Um, so that would be a thousand a week. That's why I made it fifty-two, just to be able to do this maths in my head a little bit easier. Oh, let's go and look at the numbers. Let, uh, why should I trust my own brain? I've got a computer. I've got Google right in front of me. I don't really trust Google. But how can I trust them for this? All right. Flu deaths per year UK. Um, uh, what was a bad year? I think 2018 was a bad year. Let's have a look. Influenza deaths in 2018, 2019, 2020. Straight from the Office of National Statistics. Um, right, here we go. Uh, res influenza total mortality this can't be right influenza and pneumonia deaths, invo deaths involving and due to influenza and pneumonia England Wales deaths in 2020 um, week one I was looking for something a little bit more influenza and pneumonia total mortality 29,516 in 2018. All right, now there are different statistics. Someone could look through this and go, Jim, you may have got this wrong because this is an ad hoc thing I've decided to look up on the fly. Uh, total mortality, and then it breaks it down to England, Wales, England, Wales, residents outside England and Wales. Right, so 2018, 29,516, 26,000. All right, let's go with 26,000 because that makes it nice and easy to do the maths in my head. So it's 500 a week, right? Um and so 500 a week, 25 per day times 7 is what, 175? So that would be 175 a week. And in 2019, it was a 500 a week. 2019, yeah, 26,452. That's roughly... 500 a week? Yeah, just doing the maths in my head. But you can see where I'm going with that. So maybe we should just relax. Flu deaths have always happened. They're sad. They're sad for everyone's family. But they've always happened. And now versus lockdown, which is like... Well, if you think that lockdown's a good idea, go and listen to the previous 96 episodes of this show. And also myself and Craig Campbell discussing it on cruise. Craig was on it uh, quicker than I was. So deaths and ICU rates which used to be which used to be the barometer for social restrictions have remained flat despite the uptake in cases which has been attributed to milder variants, vaccines and growing natural immunity. Yet Lord Syed Kamal, a junior health minister, admitted yesterday that if Covid impedes on the NHS ability to treat other conditions then clearly measures may, may well have to be introduced. Really? Because um, it was the lockdowns that stopped all the cancer people being screened early. So if you haven't, like I said, I can always forgive the people the first time because it was like a once in a lifetime generation. But guys, get the idea. You're either completely incompetent or you're on some sort of nefarious agenda because, you, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, shutting down the NHS is not a good idea. Individual hospitals have already started to reimpose face masks and social distancing in corridors and waiting rooms. 
in the first sign of curbs creeping back into normal life. I think there's a an article mentioned on the Beyond the News Telegram group just before I went and recorded this, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet, just the headline which said about three in ten and you know, thirty percent of British people are still, you know, wanting to do this sort of stuff by themselves anyway. Which kind of is what I would say three in ten are like I've always said that, haven't I? The, imagine a standard distribution graph with uh, you know a bell-shaped curve of you know yep 30% down the scared witless still and the, but the vast majority in the middle like eh, you know is what it is and then you've got the other people right down the other end that are like you know I can't even have the opinion that I wouldn't be allowed to express and stay on Spotify <laughs> I'm sure you could do a duck duck go search as to what that would be. And today, several scientists on Independent Sage are oh, independent. Are they independent? A campaign group that used to advocate a Chinese style zero COVID strategy started publicly lobbying for the return of extortionate free lateral flow scheme, outdoor mixing, and face coverings. Hmm. I wonder how Independent Sage are. Of course important to look at how many psychiatrists are on that uh, and psychologists and that kind of stuff are on that board as well but um, go and look up the sage group for yourself if you can sometimes you can find who's on there sometimes you can't or at least that's what it was when I first started looking into them about you know a year or two ago they're independent trust us no you don't need to I know who they are just trust that they're independent but there are someone that we know who they are and we've played clips on them before and um, highlighted their um, ties to various communist beliefs with one particular one of them, wasn't there? I can't remember what show that was on now. Right, let's have a little scroll down because it's the mail and go and listen to the best and worst rated. All right, best rated, here we go. Up 400, down 15. The gravy train has hit the buffers. Ignore the bedwetters. Okay, yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. Um, and now next one. Uh, masks don't work. Stuff your restrictions. It's over. Up 384, down 10. Again, I would like to say masks don't work anywhere near as most people who use them think that they do. But other than that, you know, yeah, I, I can get behind that. But of course, stuff your restrictions in a peaceful and lawful manner. Next one here, uh, again from the males, quite male heavy this section. It's by Dan Wooten. After spending months backstabbing Boris when he was meant to be saving us from economic catastrophe, it's impossible to ever trust fishy Rishi Sunak again. A again? You trusted him to begin with? That's why he's going, and uh, again, that's not a uh, dig at him personally or... Um, the Tory party uh, that's meant for for pretty much every politician in every western world so nothing personal against Mr Sunak there that's uh, I mean I'd still I'd still rate him more trustworthy than than Matt Hancock but I'd also trust Satan to be more trustworthy than Matt Hancock as well that's why he's going to lose despite what the blinkered BBC says that's uh, 12th of July Rishi Sunak's campaign to replace Boris Johnson as Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister of the UK is shaping up as well as the next Brexit, 
or Red Wall. The elite, the Tory grandees, the political establishment, the BBC and the vast bulk of the mainstream broadcast media are so blinkered that, as usual, they're missing the real story. What, are you going to go on to say Rishi Sunak's got his page on the WF forum? No. There's more chance of Keir Starmer winning a charisma contest than furious Conservative Party members backing the backstabbing former Chancellor who spent months secretly plotting to oust Boris, the man to whom he owes his entire political career, when he was meant to be saving us from economic catastrophe. No, I really don't care about... So politicians backstab each other. Uh, where's the news? No. Let's have a look at his connections to the WEF, I think. Let's see how they've penetrated our cabinet! New listener, want to know what that means? Listen to previous shows or perhaps go on to DuckDuckGo. We have penetrated their cabinet. Yeah, start there. Of course, you, there's no search engine that can really take on board accents, even ones as terribly portrayed as mine. But I'm sure you can get the idea. Right, let's um, have a little look. Best rated and worst rated. Okay, totally agree. Never trust Sunak. Up 2265, <laughs> down 148. Uh, yeah, and isn't like the Daily Mail some of the bedrock of... Uh, uh, the Daily Mail, I think, is split between uh, the libertarian types, which are not even remotely interested in supporting any political party, a, a small group of them. They're the ones that aren't particularly, you know, kicking off on the whole immigration thing. And then you've got the other bunch of them, which are... Um, you know, traditional t Tory types, aren't they? You certainly can't, wouldn't associate the Daily Mail with associating Liberal Democrat or Labour, have you? So this is a big problem for their voting base, isn't it? Up 225, 2265, down 148. Let's have another look at the, you know, the next one. All right, so um, he's useless, will not get my vote. Up 1930, down 116. He's not useless. I'm sure he's very good for the agenda that he's actually doing. But that's, again, that's where the Daily Mail needs, in my opinion, need to catch up. He's not useless. He just doesn't work for you. And he doesn't work for the people that voted for him. He's got a page on the WEF forum. You should not look into that. I don't think the people uh, there think he's useless for them. So that's where I think the, there needs to be more of a, a coming together. I think that's going to be it for the next sort of few years, is people coming to the conclusion... They're not just corrupt and useless. They're following someone else's agenda. And also on that agenda are various mainstream media companies who back it all up. I think that's just going to be the way it's going to be for the next few years as these people come to that. They go out of that more right-wing mindset into the more conspiratorial reality based you know not conspiracy theory but conspiracy reality based you can go and look up the pages on the wf you you know it's not a theory that that schwab said he will penetrate your cabinet you know so let's see if the winner of the tory party has close ties to the wef um or whether it's one of the grassroots i want to see um some of those anti-lockdown ones was it sir desmond swain and what was the other one i can't remember where he had a go at the police arresting that old woman those two. I like those two. They're all right. I mean, uh, they're not perfect. I'm certain someone could post me some links and go, oh, you like this guy, do you? And there'll be a link of something I absolutely hate. I, I don't doubt it. But they're best of a bad bunch, I suppose. 
Uh, let's see if any of them get involved. Right then, um, something a little bit different now. Pig farmer 89 is found guilty of murdering his wife whose body was discovered in a septic tank 37 years later after she vanished after killing her so he could pursue his affair with another woman then trying to blame Fred West for her death. Ah. You can read the whole story for yourself there. Just thought I'd throw that in there as a curveball. Back on to the usual agenda of, uh, you know, the uh, the WFT takeover, and of course, a big part of that is control. Would you implant a tiny debit card chip in your hand? Forget fingerprint or facial recognition. Biometric payment is being touted as the future. WalletMore claims to be the first company to sell contactless bank card chips. The procedure to fit one leaves customers with a small stitch below the wrist. Once the chip is in, users no longer have to bother with debit or credit cards. <laughs> you know there's going to be some people signing up for this too. To make a purchase, they can simply wave their hand over a contactless reader. Right. By Helena Kennedy for the Daily Mail, uh, 12th of July. I don't think I need to say any more than that. I think you get the idea. And before I've still got to play Tucker Carlson and get our, through our interview as well. Let's, uh, I think you get the idea on that one. There's also another article I want to read just after this, which you should really sort of, you know, marry up the two as well. All right, then. This is the mail, so we can play the game. Um, Hugo Waco, up 3533, down 54. What could go wrong, said the Antichrist. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. I um, you know, I'm not in the whole uh, religious kind of thing. Or, um, I'm in the God thing, but not the religious thing. So I, I, I can see the funny side of that, and I could, yeah, I certainly agree with his sentiment uh, in in sort of principle. Uh, but again, I'm not getting involved in the whole religious antichrist thing. You know, and the Nostradamus's predictions. I, I'm staying away from that. Um, this one I can get behind. It's up two nine 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 down forty eight. And it just reads, absolutely no way. Yep, I'm good for that. Right then. Now, very important to keep that in mind when I read out the headline of this one. It's 21st of June 2021, but it was covered way before that on this podcast when I played clips of a gentleman on the Joe Rogan podcast pointing this out. But... Um, that was months ago. Now the mainstream media seems to have caught up. And this is from The Telegraph by Tim Wallace. Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. And that's in inverted commas, the word programming. Digital cash could be programmed to ensure it is only spent on essentials or goods, which an employer or government deems to be sensible. No, I'm sorry, you can't swipe your hand over the cookies. <laughs> You've got to be eating bugs and worms. You've exceeded your cookie quota of this week no no meat for you only the bugs no you can wave that finger as much as you like it's not going to scan properly we've programmed it that way aren't you glad you got the chip now son All right. next one beware of the cold cuts french health chiefs warn additives used to pinken charcuterie i've probably butchered that name it's like c-h-a-r-c-u-t-e-r i.e. can you guess I don't really do much cooking or uh, or have much with the French language. I like the French people. Could cause bowel cancer amid calls to ban some preservative chemicals in British bacon. 
France said it will now act to limit exposure to nitrates and nitrates through food. A review of the data, the more people consume, the higher their risk of colon cancer. The chemicals are used in charcuterie to extend shelf life and ward off bacteria. It comes amid a campaign in Britain for a total outright ban on nitrates in bacon. So it's not the bacon itself, although that's not a ringing endorsement of the fact that it's in any way healthy. It's the stuff they've put on it. So Emmanuel Macron's government has pledged to crack down on the use of nitrates and nitrates. Uh, nitrates and nitrites. There you go. I've, that was my fault. I misread that. Saying it is vital to limit their use to strictly necessary quantities. However, France won't completely ban processed food manufacturers from adding them. Well, there's something for the French people over the French corporations, at least on the face of it. That's unlike Macron. But this is not some sort of um, cult or... Um, hate mob or something if I see people I could read out loads of articles on how much I uh, of why reasons I wouldn't vote for Macron if I lived in France but if he does something I agree with that won't stop me from putting that one out won't stop me reading out the other ten <laughs> but I call it as I see it most bad sometimes good but uh, hey I could be wrong let's have another little look here is the mail so it's Best rated, worst rated, up 498, down 13. Big food doesn't care what it sells us, as long as it makes a profit. Yep, I'm good with that. Um, I'm, I'm get, oh, I would also add, and has deniability from a legal standpoint. So so they can continue to sell all the stuff, because they can go, well, it's not banned. So I, I would add, it doesn't care what it sells us, as long as it makes a profit and it's legal. It doesn't have to be in any way moral or healthy. So I would just add that little caveat. But yeah, a good start, that statement. Let's have a look at worst rated. Down 73, but up 28. Do not eat meat. Okay. All right. Right then. Let's now go to the articles that our guest has said. I'm not going to read them out. You can ju I'll just read out the headlines, and I'll let our guest explain them further. They read, from the Argus, Brighton Council accused of fraud after expenses inquiry, 29th of June. And from the Daily Mail, former MEP facing calls to resign over accusations she claimed money for babysitters she didn't use while holidaying at a half a million French chateau. Before we go to Laura, you know the game I'm going to like to play. If it's the Daily Mail, we will scroll down and have a look at the best weighted verse rated. Um... So, best rated here. Oh, this is weird. This is up 50 and down 362. DM forgot to mention that she was in the Brexit party. Okay, that would uh, that would explain why it didn't go well down well with the mail. Let's have a look at the worst. Um, that's it. Oh, hello. Oh, there's only one comment. That'll be why. I was clicking into it best and worst rated there is only one comment that i can see there that would explain why it is the best and worst rated as soon as i saw it, i thought that's weird for the best right anyway that explains it well that's that game over with let's interview laura and now we're joined by laura king who is a constituent taxpayer in brighton and she is unhappy with the service she is receiving from her local government laura welcome to beyond the news thank you for having me jim it's great to be here. So tell me, what there's a petition about having some of the local government types pulled down on 38 degrees, isn't there? Tell me more about it. 
Well, basically, we have a petition on 38 degrees. Um, councillors Druitt and Phillips must resign. These are two councillors who've now made it to the Daily Mail for overclaiming their child expenses um, while they were not even in the country and they couldn't actually have childcare because it was locked down and it was um, basically only key workers could, could claim childcare at the time. And moreover, they were also living at a chateau in France and absolutely nowhere near Brighton and their Regency ward who they represent. So this is a quite a long story. Um, so it all started when it was noticed that they were AWOL and absent without leave during the first lockdown. Um, and they were asked to uh, account for themselves in a council meeting and they claimed they'd been on holiday, on a skiing holiday for a week and got trapped in France during the first lockdown. So a few friends uh, decided to look into the dates and uh, it was discovered that the dates they claimed to be trapped in France, um, up until a certain date, they certainly did have access to trains and planes back to Britain. And when they actually went on this apparent skiing holiday to stay in a friend's spare room, they um, they were actually going during the two to three week uh, period just before the first lockdown, when the whole nation was being told there might be a lockdown, make sure you get home, make sure anyone who's in this country who wants to go home internationally gets home. So it was, it was during all of that that these two decided, this married couple of counsellors decided to go with their young child for a skiing holiday in France for the week. Um, but so what's, then, what? What sorry. is? Um, no, sorry to interrupt. What's? Why should they resign for that? I mean, it's naughty, but yeah. all they did was go on a holiday when they were recommended to come back. So it doesn't look like they've broke any laws. Although well, that, the, the expenses yeah, thing. <laughs> oh, well, feel free. Yeah, uh, but the expenses yeah. thing. It sounds like yeah. a bit of a Nixon thing, where it's not just the deed; course, it's the lie. So uh, tell tell us more. So the story was they'd gone on the skiing holiday in France for a week, stayed in a friend's spare room, couldn't get back because there was no travel allowed. So basically they didn't want to stay in their friend's spare room, so they managed to go to a holiday home owned by their family and managed, and they ended up there for four months. So anyway, uh, some more digging found out that they owned a property in France. In fact, they owned more than one property in France and they'd actually started two, two businesses um, while they were there, which is not really the sort of thing you do when you go on holiday for a week. Uh, so things just kept on emerging about their life in France. Um, and then it turned out that they'd claimed expenses while they were in France as counsellors for childcare. Um, and this was a time when nobody could claim for childcare except key workers because there was no childcare under lockdown. People were supposed to look after their own children. Ah, uh, victims so, of their own bureaucracy by the sounds of it. Well, that's right. So basically, um, and then it transpired, they haven't, I mean, it wasn't an enormous amount of money. It was just under £600. But it then transpired, they hadn't even presented receipts to, to um, access this money. Um, and so there was a lot of anger about it. And there was a lot of demanding of um, an audit by the local council. Um, all this rumbled on for some months, um, during which time they continued to spend long periods of time in France, even when there was no lockdown, just coming back for the occasional council meeting. Um, and during this time, Alex Phillips was also an MEP for nearly a year, just as we were leaving the EU. So she got an enormous amount of money for being an MEP, just as we were leaving the EU and she had no work to do. And she was also the mayor. 
um, under the first lockdown as well. So she was a councillor, she was the mayor, and she was an MEP. Three roles under the first part, first, first lockdown that she was claiming money and expenses for um, while living in France and not even being in the locality to do people's shopping or help anybody under the first lockdown while other councillors, quite a few other councillors, did that kind of thing in their local wards and they would help the elderly and they would, you know, they would do stuff. So anyway, um, things have rumbled on and various meetings have happened and quite a lot of time has passed. There have been calls for them to resign before, even before the childcare um, scandal was known. There were calls for them to resign over um, abandoning their ward and going to France because that's basically dereliction of duty. And although there's no actual law against councillors not living in the town or city that they represent, Obviously, they're not supposed to be living in another country, um, and and the, you know how can you possibly represent your local area if, when you're living in another country? And if you visit their their wards, the Regency Ward in Brighton, it's an absolute ghetto full of graffiti, full of dirt. It's just really neglected area. So they literally haven't set foot there for a long time. Um, what, what party do they represent? They they are Green councillors. Um, and one thing Tom Druitt does is um, he started an electric car rally once a year in Madeira Drive, um, and he runs um, a bus company. Um, and interestingly, he also runs the Community Transport Fund, which awards funds to his own bus company. Um, but because he's declared his interest as the owner of a bus company, apparently that's okay. Um, so anyway... Uh, calls for their resignation went on and on and on but they've managed to survive uh, like the bond villains who won't die they still haven't resigned they won't step down um and then most recently the uh, child care expenses saga came out and the council kept putting off having an investigation into them and eventually they were forced to have an investigation into them so they investigated themselves with their own auditors investigating themselves and they obviously found that there was uh no claim to answer and um basically it was it was all a bit of a you know an oversight and they kind of they just battered it off and this is just as it hit the daily mail um last weekend um and also the daily mail did some digging uh, about their life in france and found out not only did they we we always assumed it was some sort of chalet or couple of chalets they owned over there but it turns out they own a whole chateau estate with its own river and a hot tub on that river. And that's where they've been living most of the time for the last two years. Hot um, tubs aren't so very energy efficient, are they? No. So, I mean, they call themselves green and they try and make Brighton and Hove a car-free city 2023. They're part of the, the Greens trying to turn Brighton into Britain's car, first car-free city 2023. So they're putting cycle lanes in stupid places. They're obstructing traffic so they can cause they, so they can charge a congestion charge. They're taking out paid parking spaces. They're making parking and driving a nightmare in the city. But it's fine for them to jet jet off to their chateau whenever they feel like it and drive as many cars and buses as they want to. Um, so, so no, you know, no conflict of interest there. No double standards there, obviously. Um, so anyway, having been exposed in the Daily Mail, they still didn't step down. Um, and shortly after they were exposed in the Daily Mail, there was another story about them on the twenty. Um, where is it now? Just a, oh yes, um, on the tenth of July, the latest story in the Brighton Argus: Council staff acted in good faith over expenses saga. 
Claims Council CEO. Now, if you go to the Brighton Argus newspaper and you put uh, the name Druitt, D-R-U-I-T-T, into the search engine, you will come up with about a dozen stories, if not more, on this couple and everything they've been up to in the last uh, two years. So there is no end of stories about them and what they've been doing and, and lots and lots of interesting comments underneath each article about what the locals think, which, which I think is where the real news is in any story. Always look at the comments and then you see what the real story is, in my view. Um, so literally, and interestingly enough, when you um, search other stories of councillors' expenses, uh, shenanigans, or moving to another country under lockdown, when you do searches on that in the national media, you find that other councillors have either been dismissed or they've even gone to prison for fiddling their expenses, whereas councillors Druitt and Phillips, the married Greens in Brighton, a, they haven't, they've got a crime number against them, but the police are taking no action. They have been reported to the police for uh, financial misconduct in public office, but the police have done nothing. Um, but not only have they not ended up facing charges, they haven't even been dismissed as councillors and, and they will not resign. And the reason they will not resign is because if we lose either of them, that forces a by-election, and that means the end of the Green Council. So there's quite serious implications to them going, irrespective of whether the rest of the council like them or approve of their activities or not, they still have to stand by them because, like I said, if they lose them, that will force a by-election. And basically, it's really important that people sign a petition to make it clear that this is completely unacceptable behaviour. They don't have a... They don't have a public servant bone in their bodies. It's all about them. They've only ever become councillors so that they can serve themselves and their businesses. Um, and basically, uh, Councillor Phillips only generally comes to full council meetings so she can vote in favour of her husband's policies. I'm guessing and, you're not on their Christmas card list. I think I've been scribbled off some time ago. I did actually once know them in a social setting and, and I got on with them many moons ago but this is before they um became councillors um so <laughs> but the thing is it's all about them there is no there is absolutely no reason they are they became councillors to serve the city one iota it is all about them and what they want and feathering their own nest and all these stories that you can look up will prove the point um so they're completely exposed everything they've done is completely exposed apart from possibly the contractual side of things that you can look up the community transport um, funds that Tom Druitt's awarded himself and his bus company and you can find all that actually on the council website if you look hard enough it just hasn't actually been exposed as a news story um, so that's that's basically where we are really with with the whole Druitt and Phillips saga um, they, they just refuse to resign even though 10 20 years ago they would have gone months ago um, we now live in a world where completely shameless behaviour happens with our public officials and there's no one to actually force them to, to leave or to resign. And that's the world we live in right now. The level of tyranny you will live under is exactly equal to that which you will put up with. I think that was Jefferson that said that, wasn't it? Well, he was absolutely right. And I think because people have been so kiboshed by two years of restrictions and, and everything else that... Um, in a way, there is a lot of apathy about, oh, well, there's no point complaining about such and such that will never get any better. And 
And we really need to move away from that kind of thinking if we do want to change anything, because that they rely on on people, you know, having apathy and, and giving up. And people need to find their fighting spirit again and say, no, I don't consent. I, this is not acceptable to me. Absolutely. Um, any closing comments or anything else you want to add before we go? Right. Well, I mean, basically, you you know, everything. I I feel like. Uh, Almost none of my council tax is going towards the statutory goods and services it's meant to go to. It's got gone to green work projects and vanity projects and enriching certain councillors. And basically, I think we really need to think about having council council tax strikes in various uh, towns and cities to actually get them to be the public servants they're supposed to be and to remind them that they're public servants and not our masters and, and no one's... Um, put them there to, to, to indulge in their woke vanity projects. Yeah, I, I agree with every word you've said, apart from the fact I cannot encourage any unlawful behaviour such as the non-payment of council tax, but I can acknowledge that such a scheme, I believe, would be effective in returning that philosophy of servants to masters, which is something I've banged on about on Beyond the News for many, many episodes now. So, Laura King, thank you very much for joining us here. Cheers. So Laura just, uh, sorry, Laura just made a really interesting point and uh, just as I hung up and she wanted to just put it back on air, so I thought, oh, let's just get her back on air again. Laura, you had a really interesting point to make about the council tax. Yes, um, I know a lot of people are reticent about a council tax strike, but there is um, a way it could be done which might be acceptable to the majority of people, and that is if a solicitor was engaged who could put all the council tax money into a holding account so people still paid it but they paid it into a holding account so it was withheld until um, the population had their demands met by the council and they agreed to act as public servants again at which time the solicitor could release that council tax back to the council. That's a very interesting and uh, I have no idea whether that would be lawful or not but what a fascinating idea. Uh, Laura thanks very much for joining us. And now let's finish off the show with Tucker Carlson interviewing a doctor about his thoughts on vaccines and children. You need to find an independent, science-minded researcher or physician who's looked at the actual data. And there are very few who've done that and are willing to be honest about it. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins University is one of them. He's just written a remarkable piece in Barry Weiss's Substack, and he wrote it with epidemiologist Tracy Hogue. McCary and Hoke found that Pfizer and Moderna provided, and we're quoting, extremely weak, inconclusive data to justify vaccinating children as young as six months in the United States. Quote, using a three-dose vaccine in 992 children between the ages of six months and five years, Pfizer found no statistically significant evidence of vaccine efficacy, they wrote. In the subgroup of children aged six months to two years, the trial found that the vaccine could result in a 99% lower chance of infection but that they also have a 370% increased chance of being infected. What does that mean? We have no idea. We don't know how you would know because those data are completely incoherent. They do not present a picture that suggests a path forward. They're inherently confusing. Meanwhile, Moderna, quote, claimed a very weak vaccine efficacy of just 4% in children aged six months to two years. That is not a statistically significant result either. So based on those numbers, and apparently those are the underlying numbers, 
How could the Biden administration, how could the people who run public health in the United States of America push for the immediate vaccination of children over the ages of six months? We need to assess what exactly these data are and why public health agencies seem to be ignoring them. Marty McCary, as we told you, is a professor of public health at Johns Hopkins University. He wrote through a piece we just referred to, and we're honored to have him on tonight. Doctor, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for taking a look at the numbers behind this. Unless we just mischaracterized them, they don't sound like the basis for a recommendation for universal toddler vaccination. That's exactly right, Tucker. It wouldn't even get published in a medical journal with peer review. It wouldn't cut through the process. It would get rejected. Now, doctors everywhere in the world, even in the government, should always be free to speak up about their public health concerns. That is a sacred yes. right that we have to guard. But right now, in the government, recently, and this is a trend in the last year, doctors are muzzled. I've met, talked to many doctors for this piece at NIH and CDC who are extremely frustrated. They're smart people. They know that a vaccine efficacy of 4% doesn't warrant an authorization. They also know that there's no health emergency right now among kids uh, at six months of age. So I learned a lot. They know the underlying data. They know it's inappropriate. They're not allowed to speak to anyone. If a reporter calls, the communications office has to approve the, the, call, the conversation. And if they uh, want to ask the scientist whether or not they want to do this. They'll say, tell us what you're going to tell the reporter, and then we'll decide whether or not to approve it. At the CDC, a bunch of scientists actually said, look, we recognize the insanity of mass testing, trying to chase down every case of the virus in the United States. It's ubiquitous now. It's not contained. So they came up with a plan to use sampling data like we do with influenza every year and to get better numbers from the hospital of those truly in there for COVID, not just everybody with incidental COVID tests. And that plan was proposed and it was rejected, and they say it was rejected by the White House. And over and over in the different agencies, I heard from smart people who were just extremely frustrated that not only are they bypassing the normal scientific process, but they really can't say anything because if they do, they know that their jobs are at risk and they'll be treated very differently. One person even said, there's no transparency as to how Dr. Fauci makes his decisions. He doesn't even consult with the real experts. And other people have said other things like it's demoralizing that one person at the FDA even who knows the data really well said that they feel that they're watching a horror show and they're, they can't close their eyes. They're being forced to watch this. If public health wants to restore some credibility and there's good people in public health, they've been sidelined. The leaders have to have more humility, less absolutism, more answers like we don't know when that's the right answer and less paternalism. That's the only way we're going to rebuild trust in the medical profession and in public health. And I think it begins with individual physicians and researchers like you who act on conscience, speak with integrity, tell the truth regardless. Uh, that will restore faith, at least mine. So I appreciate your starting that by coming on here. Thank you, Dr. Martin. Thanks. Appreciate it. So thanks for listening to Beyond the News today.